Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the third webinar of the Philippines Partnership for Sustainable Agriculture, Biosecurity Threats in Agriculture webinar series. So today we will be discussing the African swine fever together with our esteemed speakers from the Bureau of Animal Industry, the Livestock and Meat Business Philippines Magazine, and Infarmco Management Group. Next slide, please. So I am Joyce Gomez from PPSA. So just a quick background on our organization. So we are a multi-stakeholder partnership platform for agriculture, capitalized by Grow Asia and the Philippine Department of Agriculture to convene different stakeholders to share best practices and discuss different issues in agriculture and how to solve these issues together. We are currently supported by the Australian Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade and for the webinar series, the International Development Research Center. And I will now turn over the floor to Mr. Pranav Setapusra, Pro-Asia's Partnership Manager for Myanmar, Indonesia, and the Thank you, Joyce. So before we launch into the webinar proper, we just want to get a quick feel of the audience in the room, just so that we know uh, as a litmus test of sorts. So I have two questions that we want to ask, the first of which is what type of organization you represent. You should be able to see a poll on your screen. So if you could take, let's say, let's say five seconds just to respond. Okay, we have a response rate about 40%. If we could get that a little bit higher. Okay, perfect. Okay, so as you can see, there's actually quite a big range of people who are here. So it's really good representatives from the private sector as well as from the public sector. Uh, a few from uh, academia and civil society and quite a few others. So quite curious to learn who those are, but we won't address that right now. And the second and last question is for us to get an indication of how much you already know about African swine uh, fever. So if you could indicate if you currently have no knowledge, some knowledge, if you think you're fairly knowledgeable with a few gaps, or if you consider yourself an expert. Okay, great, thank you. So as you can see, again, it's quite a, quite a mix. Uh, it's good that we don't have any experts on the call just because that's why we have our panel. Uh, but glad to see that there's a range of uh, knowledge that people have. So that uh, I'm hoping that means that the questions will be quite varied in terms of their uh, depth and technicality. So I look forward to the discussion. And with that, Joyce, I'll hide, hand over back to you. Thank you very much, Pranav. And with that, I will be introducing our first speaker. Next slide, please. Oh, before that, we will be sharing with you the agenda for today. So we have uh, the Philippine situationer for the African swine fever and also the government interventions through Dr. Samuel Joseph Castro of PAI. And then we'll have the private sector's perspective. So we have with us Dr. Fermin, uh, Mr. Fermin Diaz and Dr. Danilo Benita. And we'll have a panel and a Q&A in open forum moderated by Mr. Alcon Paolo of the Link and Focus Cooperative. So for the first speaker, next slide, please. We have Dr. Samuel Joseph M. Castro, a doctor of veterinary medicine, graduate of the University of the Philippines, Los Manos. He began working with the Department of Agriculture Bureau of Animal Industry under the successful USAID-funded FAO-implemented National Food and Mouth Disease Eradication Project in the Philippines. Dr. Castro is currently Veterinarian 3 under the National Veterinary Quarantine Service Division of FAI and is also the focal person 
of body for the African's white paper. Over to you, Dr. Castro. Okay, good afternoon, everyone. And I'd like to thank um, the organizer for this opportunity um, for the Bureau for Animal Industry to be able to uh, present uh, the different updates on the Philippine-African swine fever situation. Um, I understand that there's a time limit, so I'll just get on to the, uh, the um, presentation. So for a brief background, uh, the swine industry in the Philippines is very prevalently small-scale. And of course, this remains a, a vital source for economic growth in the country. It's an important source of animal protein, um, in the Philippines, in fact, our annual per capita consumption is 15.7%. Um, in turn, it's a very it 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 um it has social inclusion of around 65% uh, of the 12.7 million swine inventories. Um, is around 65% backyard farms. So this is um for the whole country. Um, what we are protecting, the government, including its stakeholders, is a 260 billion peso um, industry. However, if you count in all the other allied industries, it may well go over 400 billion pesos. And it's a uh, the swine sector is a main contributor for um, for our um, agriculture production. In fact, it is a main commodity. Next slide, please. So for African swim fever, we could um, very well see that this is a, we, because of the nature of the, the, the virus itself, it's a die-hard virus. It's a very highly resistant to environment. It survives freezing and pH levels up to 3.6 to 11.5. Uh, um, it is a highly contagious disease with mortalities up to 100%. And um, what's very important to note here that unlike the the sicknesses or the diseases which we have dealt with before, for instance, um, our successful campaign against foot and mouth disease, this disease does not have a vaccine, and no, there is no treatment for the disease. However, uh, there in the past few days there has been a glimmer of hope because, um, yeah, we we all probably heard the news that. Um, um, uh, there may have there there, there may be um, uh, there may be um, successful vaccines uh, being developed currently right now. So we are looking forward to such uh, uh, to such evolution. So um, another thing important in dealing with this disease is that we have to um, we have to handle messaging very very. Um, in in conjunction with with our with other with 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 other um, disciplines, for instance, um, for the, our Department of Health, it says that African swine fever is not a, a threat to human health, which is true. However, we have to note in the in the animal health sector that we, uh, despite it not being a, a threat to human health, uh, human health, it's important to note that. Um, it's important for us to have uh, reputable sources of meat. Okay, next slide, please. Next slide. Okay. So the modes of transmission. This will tie into what um, the, the nature of the disease itself. So this this disease um, is is spread through direct contact. But what we have to we have to note here is that it is also um, it is also uh, spread through uh, indirect contact. So it's through vectors or soft ticks and sable flies. Luckily in the Philippines, we do not have the, um, the ornithodorus tick, which, which is um, characteristic to have 
uh, to to for for African swine fever. Um, it is spread through indirect contact through slurry, um, swill feeding, which is um, common here in the in our country, through vehicles and other fomites, uh, clothing, footwear, uh, footwear, and surgical equipment, as well as genetic material. Next slide, please. So there are cross-cutting issues when it comes to the uh, uh, African tribe fever situation here in the Philippines. For instance, for one, um, the occurrence, as I mentioned earlier, of swill feeding. Because in the Philippines, um, as I said, uh, swill is commonly used. So um, you could buy, a far, a backyard farmers could buy a sack of, of, of swill uh, for around 150 pesos. If you compare that to the cost of feeds, which is 1,500 pesos, so this is uh, this becomes a social issue because, of course, uh, the poorest of the poor would would go for um, would go for what is cheaper, right? So another social issue here is, of course, um, consumers. I think all around the world would always buy what is cheap, right? We we would prefer um, saving saving some money. So um, consumers will always buy cheaper pork and pork products, um, even uh, without, um, yeah. The, the, this uh, letter B shows the importance of informing, keeping our, inform, uh, our uh, consumers educated about uh, this. And of course, economic, there are uh, farmers selling sick pigs, the instincts of farmers who had who have animals sick of uh, African swine fever is uh, the number one instinct is to how you can recover, how farmers can recover from that investment for backyard uh, farmers especially. And there are always uh, scrupulous uh, scrupulous traders which are which do predatory trading. Uh, um, that's always present. So next slide, please. <clears throat> so maybe perhaps we could, um, yeah. Okay, so this only shows the cost to control the disease. In the Philippines, there are uh, roughly 12.7 million heads of swine and 65% of that is backyard farms. So the government is currently having an indemnification or uh, paying out um, 500 pesos per, per head um, for, for farmers who have lost um, who have lost um, animals through uh, from African swine fever. So this uh, this table shows that if five percent of that backyard uh, swine population is hit with African swine fever, it will the the cost to control that would go over well over uh, two billion pesos. So next slide, please. Okay, so this shows um, the um, African swine fever situation in uh, in Asia, or particularly in the Southeast Asia, where China has culled around one million one hundred ninety-three pigs. Uh, Vietnam, um, there are almost six million pigs have been culled. Um, South Korea has culled around four hundred. Uh, thousand pigs uh, since the uh, their outbreak started. So we will be showing the Philippine situation a bit later. Next slide, please. So this is the ASF situation in the Philippines. So you are seeing a map, which is a representation of 
the different zoning um, classifications of um, municipalities in the Philippines um, uh, as a result of a, the, the best practices we have learned from our successful Futema uh, disease campaign, we are using the same approach, this zoning approach wherein we have red zones, which are infected zones, pink zones, uh, buffer, and so follows the yellow zone as the surveillance zone, and those dark green and light green zones uh, are protected zones as well as dark green zones, respectively. Next slide, please. So this is um, ASF in numbers. This is as of, these, are, these figures are um, as of May 15. Um, I'd like to, uh, the participants to note this. These figures are dynamic uh, since we have an ongoing um, this is situation. So currently, as of May 15, uh, sorry, as of May 15, it has affected um, eight regions, 121 municipalities, 25 provinces, um, 936 barangays or villages, and we, uh, the government, has culled around 284,607. Again, this figure is a dynamic figure. This is as of May 15, and this changes as we get um, um, uh, we get figures from the field. Next slide, please. Okay, so this goes, um, this shows the different um, national government uh, support or interventions done by the government. We have laboratory testing in our National Animal Disease Diagnosis and Reference Laboratory here in the Quezon City. And we support our regional animal disease diagnostic uh, laboratories in the different regions in the country. There is also accreditation of private sector laboratories uh, in the country, uh, which have ASF testing capability. Um, the next um, the next row shows uh, the indemnification. So the president of the Philippines has granted a one billion contingent fund uh, for African swine fever, and this is used uh, along with the um, quick DA quick response fund to indemnify um, farmers at the rate of five thousand pesos per culled animal. And we continue to support our DA quick response teams and local government unit uh, task forces by providing technical and manpower assistance. And the last two, um, the last two rows show um, the other interventions that the Department of Agriculture is doing. So this is through the DA sure aid program, as well as um, these are very specific, specific uh, interventions already. For instance, in the heavily hit um, regions of Region Three and Region Four, where there is procurement and distribution of animals to those that have been hit by um, African swine fever. Next slide, please. So this um, table delineates the functions of the national government agencies um, in dealing with this problem. And it actually, we, 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 show, we would like to um, show this more of how the, the national government and the local government units collaborate in, in uh, dealing with the disease. So with the Department of Agriculture having an overall uh, lead in disease control, quarantine, and this uh, goes to show uh, the need for the local government and national government um, agencies to collaborate in these uh, roles and functions. Next slide, please. So the BAI um, ASF Control Task Force continues um, technical logistic support and disease control and elimination activities. However, of course, uh, with the COVID-19 um, situation, um, many of these activities have come to a um, slow, uh, have slowed down. Um, but 
um, we continue to do such activities as we are allowed by our communities. So uh, the BAI Control Task Force, con uh, SF Control Task Force, continues such um, uh, support even during uh, this uh, difficult situation we are all in. Next slide, please. So included in our activities are disease investigations, monitoring and surveillance, um, management of an epidemiological database, and very importantly for our regions that have not that do not, still do not have um, ASF in their uh, areas, there is um, ASF tabletop simulation exercise. So this is um, a, a tabletop exercise wherein um, participants are presented with um, what if scenarios, what if ASF hits, how ready are our um, ASF action plans. So this gives them a chance to adjust and uh, re-strategize how um, they can be better prepared to face uh, African swine fever. Next slide, please. Of course, in any um, animal disease situation, um, equally important to the technical activities is education, information, education, and communication. Um, this we have learned in dealing with um, the, the different diseases that we have faced in the past, for instance, foot and mouth disease, avian influenza, and the other diseases as well. So um, yeah, the, what's important is to keep our um, farmers, consumers, and stakeholders informed, especially of what they can do, what their role is in, in all this, in, in facing African swine fever. Uh, because after all, an informed public is always um, easier to mobilize. Next slide, please. So this shows the different um, um, ASF-capable laboratories, both government as well as private sector laboratories um, um, around the Philippines which deals with um, African swine fever testing. So next slide, please. So the recent activities that we've had is um, a meeting of the National um, Task Force on Animal-Borne Diseases. This is chaired by the um, no other than Secretary William Dar. Um, this is uh, actually a multi-department um, uh, um, task force wherein um, African swine fever and other diseases are, um, are addressed. Uh, through a multi-sectoral and multidisciplinary approach um, in, in turn with the, with the president's um, 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 order for us to have a, a whole of the country approach in dealing with such problems. So we, um, we also have adapted in our strategies and our engagement with stakeholders through various teleconferences, which, which we are doing now, um, uh, participation in such and engagements with our uh, DA regional field offices, regional quick response teams, LGU task forces to clarify various issues that they are encountering. Um, there's also a regular meeting of the BAI ASF control task force with our regional um, task forces. Next slide, please. 
we have also we we also are participating in uh, different international engagements including the um, meetings of the uh, standing group of experts for african swine fever um, we continue to yeah we continue to participate in um, cap capability building activities including um, the ongoing uh, training uh, asf online preparedness course uh, for asia and the pacific we're in all our regional um, task force uh, regional ESF coordinators and our um, biotechnical staff are being trained right now on this. So next slide, please. And such collaborations include a yeah, enhance uh, the biosafety and biosecurity project of the US DITRA, wherein um, which have conducted uh, various trainings as well as assistance in provision of test kits and reagents and there's also the oie laboratory training project of uh, Pearbright institute in uk and the uh, bai next slide please so uh, i'll probably skip this part this only shows uh, the different um aos or issuances related to african swine fever this is just a list but it shows that um along with the situation we do have to um evolve or or or, or um, adjust our strategy so this comes with uh, the different legislations next slide please yeah this is the an important legislation which is or important issue ones the national EF zoning asf zoning and movement plan uh, signed by the secretary and also um, signed by the president himself for uniform implementation in the different administrative regions in the country. So this is um, yeah uh, the map that we're showing the different um, zones in the Philippines according to their disease status. Next slide, please. Um, these are just some of the other issuances uh, mentioned earlier. Just next slide, please. So we, as I said, um, strategies have to evolve, uh, evolve according to the current situation. So this is a proposal to reduce the 1710 protocol where in, um, in the earlier in the campaign, uh, within one kilometer, we uh, stamped out or killed all um, susceptible animals uh, in a one kilometer radius. Now there is a um, there there is a, a move to have a smaller kill zone, which is 500 meters. Then the the from the 500 meter radius to the one kilometer radius would be there would be testing or test and slaughter uh, or click clear for slaughter. So this is uh, one of the uh, um, one of the strategies that we are doing right now. Next slide, please. So um, can you click it one another click, please? Hello? Oh, okay. Can can we go back a bit? Anyway, so this is the uh, response framework wherein um, back uh, this this shows I, I'm not sure if you can see it in your slide but um, this uh, shows the evolution of our uh, responses so back in uh, 2018 to 2019 the, we were geared towards prevention of an African swine fever so the babes or b-a-b-e-s uh, stands for uh, uh, the strategies that were done during the time that we did not have African swine fever. So B is for 
it, it, it spells uh, ban importation, then A, avoid drill feeding, block smuggling, educate, um, educate stakeholders, then submit samples. Then um, in 2019, when we, we had to uh, readjust our strategies now that we do have African swine fever. So uh, the acronym uh, coined for the different strategies is LIAMPO or, or locate, and locate, Hold and Call, Improvement on Surveillance, Education, Mobilization of Stakeholders, uh, Protection of Free Zones and Optimized by Security. So um, I'm not sure if you can, the, the, the blue thing here should, should go with the animation where it shows the evolution of our other um, uh, our other uh, strategies now that we are going towards recovery, which I think is the theme also of this uh, webinar. How do we recover? How do we help our stakeholders recover? So maybe just we can just go to the last slide. Uh, we could cover that. Okay, so the ways forward to uh, dealing with African swine fever um, in the country is of course, um, uh, number one is we have to be proactive in our disease control strategies, they have to evolve according to the uh, the needs or the, the the current situation. So, proactive evolution of disease control strategies in order for us to be able to sustain uh, technical assistance to our regional counterparts with and our local government units. So, we have to work with the current system and evolve according to it. Um, coordinated action. Um, I think this uh, was echoed by by the president himself. Where in um, uh, there has to be um, coordination between not just the DA agencies but other departments as well because there are indeed cross-cutting issues which um, the DA alone cannot um, cannot deal with and uh, yeah send there is an ongoing review and continuous revision of our ASF emergency management plan in order to uh, fit into the uh, the good emergency management practices guidelines of the FAO and uh, of course there needs to be continuous consultation and collaboration with not just with government but of course always with industry stakeholders so with that I'd like to thank the uh, again I'd like to thank um, the organizers for the opportunity for us to be able to feature uh, what the Philippines is doing in its fight against ASF. So thank you very much. Um, thank you very much, Dr. Castro, for that very comprehensive, very detailed presentations and updates from the Bureau of Animal Industry. We really appreciate your inputs and we hope that the different sectors present today will be able to support and work together towards the Bureau's goal in acting this issue. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you, and we look forward to uh, more collaborations. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, sir. And then, so moving on for next speakers. Next slide, please. So our next speaker is a Filipino veteran agricultural journalist with over 30 years worth experience. He also worked for the UNFAO program on integrated pest management in South and Southeast Asia. Currently, he is the editor and publisher of Livestock and Meat Business Philippines Magazine, a trade journal. Over to you, Dr. Fermin Diaz. Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you, Joyce. Although, by profession, I'm not a doctor anyway. <laughs> well, um, my presentation is about the situation assessment of ASF and uh, what are the possible options or interventions that uh, can be done 
in view of this uh, very dreaded disease that's now hitting a lot of our hog farmers. So my presentation would be uh, outlined in, uh, I'll present the socioeconomic impact and then the livestock and agricultural outlook in the wake of uh, ASF. And then I will also tackle some issues that uh, ail the Philippine ASF uh, contingency plan. And of course, uh, I will deal on ways to beat the odds and move forward. So, okay, next slide, please. I will present to you a uh, situation or the impact of uh, ASF in the Philippines since the virus hit our local farm sometime in August 2019. So the average hog farm gate price had dropped uh, almost 14% year on year to 98.7 kilos, 97, 98.7 per kilo in the last quarter. But uh, over, the next, over the last three months, this first quarter, it improved by about 3%. The estimated uh, loss of farmers because of ASF has been placed by the Philippine Swine Foundation at 80 billion. So this is the amount since the outbreak started last August 2019. Over and above that loss, some are saying, especially my sources in the industry, the feed millers, they have also lost 18 billion just during the last quarter of 2019. This is because of a drop of about 22% in their swine feed sales. So because of these uh, distractions, these deaths occurring in the swine farms, few pigs had to be fed. So that means loss in revenue income for feed millers. Next slide, please. Of course, there's another sector. These are the meat processors. They're saying that uh, during the last quarter of last year loan, they have lost about 60 billion. And a lot of this had been caused by the meat trade bans, the impositions of local governments on the transport movement of pork and other meat pork-based products. Now, um, the hog inventory as a result of uh, ASF felt, especially in uh, major hog racing regions in Central Luzon, Calabarzon, and of course in Olocos. So because of that drop, farmers opted not to restock and animal deliveries in these regions dropped due to lockdowns and pork and pig trade bans imposed by local government units. Next slide, please. So another impact, of course, is the number of uh, reported ASF infected and called hugs. Just a while ago, we heard from Dr. Samuel that uh, uh, my figure here is around 251,000. But I, I saw in, her, in his slide that it uh, went something like 284. 
So those figures are the ones reported by government to the OIE or the World Animal Health Organization. But if you take a look at the inputs of industry, <clears throat> they're saying that uh, the number of uh, culled and infected animals could have already reached over 500,000. So that's over half a million. And then here, the number of ASF hit provinces had gone to 21. Actually, the latest I heard just a while ago was something like 25. So the figures are dynamic. They are moving as uh, more infections would be expected to be felt in the next couple of months. So in a sense, the food security of our country had been compromised because the access and availability of pork and pork-based products had been actually restricted, severely restricted. These are because of the meat movement restrictions, and there are also delays in the issuance of uh, ASF clearance documents. You could not transport your hogs unless you get clearance, some kind of a veterinary inspection certificate, from the Bureau of Animal Industry. But to get that, um, given the voluminous number of papers that are being submitted for farms to really deliver their goods, there's the backlog. So it, takes, it would take a while. For instance, securing a clearance would normally get, would take you about one, two days, but because of the volume, volume amount to be processed some would take uh, about a week so you could not just deliver all those animals you want to sell in the market unless you get those clearance first so in a way because of these temporary disruptions we are saying that food security has food security has really been compromised next slide please Now, this is a map of the spread of ASF as of May 15. My figure here is, as, again, as I told earlier, it should be 25 as reported by um, Dr. Samuel. And then the number of infected cold pigs should be around 280,000. Again, that's the official report, but if you take a look at industry, they're saying over 500,000 animals have already been affected or culled because of uh, ASF. Apologies. Yeah. yeah, you have five minutes left. Thank you. Okay. Next slide, please. So, what are some of the reasons why the problem is matured? ASF and perceived government mishandling of the virus has persisted, and this caused a dampening in the motivation of farmers to produce more. And uh, among players, the ASF issue has become a blame game. Some farmers would uh, blame meat importers and traders for the, the introduction of the, vi the, vi the virus. Also, among stakeholders in the government, there's some kind of discord and mistrust. 
So this created an environment that conducive for constructive dialogue. This defective management could not be gained, could not gain traction in the ground. Next slide, please. So there was also an absence of a harmonized LGU acceptable and locally implementable ASF control and preventive strategy. And this fostered virus transmission jumps. Next slide, please. Overall, there has been a deep market anxiety brought by the heavy loss of farmers' income and ASF-related health fears. All this dampened consumer appetite for pork. Okay, next slide, please. Now, in view of that, here are some of the outlook or expectations of our livestock and agriculture as a result of ASF. The virus had been introduced to the country since August 21. They are saying that um, it will eventually become endemic, or in other words, it will now just stay within our system, within our local herd, even if a vaccine becomes available. So because of that, prevention and control remains the viable option if implemented properly. Then, of course, because of the ASF, the restocking by breeders and hog to slaughter producers will remain highly risky due to the slow spreading and the persistent character of the virus and uh, site fidelity. So any recovery program is wishful thinking and may only be a waste of time and money in the next six to 12 months. Next slide, please. Now, there's now a growing trend of some ASF hit commercial hog farms shifting to other enterprises. Some are now going to layer farming and other agribusiness projects. I know some are also even going to uh, raising of rabbits. <laughs> and uh, a lot of these players are taking advantage of the cheap price land offered for sale by farmers hit by the Rice Tarification Act. If you know, over the last couple of months, many farmers had gone broke, especially rice farmers, due to plunge in prices of palai or unmilled rice. So they're selling their sizable farmlands at bargain um, just to recover their losses. Next slide, please. Now, we see that meat processors because of ASF and all those restrictions, are now relying on local pork row mats. No, that should be meat processors relying on local pork row mats hit hard by the meat trade are beginning to reformulate their products. They are now using little or no pork ingredients to remain in business. So this impact will be felt because there would be a decline in the demand for manufacturing grade local pork and of course a surge in uh, import of uh, ASF cleared pork at the expense of local farmers. 
And of course, predictably, because of ASF, consumers would shift to poultry and fish. And this would have some impact on the price index of these products. Next slide, please. Of course, the allied industries, as mentioned earlier, allied industries in the pork supply chain, we, have, we are talking of farmers in corn, cassava, coconut, sugar, even feed milling and animal health nutrition, even the slaughtering, the meat processing business, the cold chain and logistics, they all face weaker demand. So this will result in work slowdown and job cuts, leading to unemployment and poverty. The reading here is that if the current setup stays, producers and stakeholders see a bleak industry outlook and meet rate ahead. So there would still be high risk in restocking. And this will halt production and would lead to severe production cuts. Others will, of course, restructure their operation and pursue other business opportunities away from swine. Next slide, please. So these are the... I will be tackling the briefly the problems uh, being encountered in the current ASF control strategy. Next slide, please. There is uh, required for farms to be subject to mandatory preemptive calling, and this has been a very sensitive uh, action taken by government because normally um, there's a bias as farmers especially backyard farmers felt that the, there's a bias or double standard practice because uh, normally um, some inspecting vets would just simply uh, subject the animals to culling without the proper confirmatory lab test to prove that uh, the animals are indeed positive. Next, next slide, please. Another uh, next slide, please. Next slide, please. As I mentioned, there also will have been problem of animal indemnity. The idea there is um, Early reporting by farmers is crucial in the early detection and early prevention of, of the viral infection. But uh, the indemnity issue has been discouraged, had, had been discouraging farmers to report. And this is a crucial strategy in ASF uh, prevention. Any delay in detection or an incursion of ASF into a free area and so a delay in the implementation of control measures will increase the probability of further spread of the disease. Next slide, please. Now, how do we motivate farmers to voluntarily notify if their farms are having suspected ASF occurrences? So we are saying here there should be prompt release of the blood test results. It cannot be that uh, you just simply tell people for the, for the animals to be culled with no scientific basis. You have to convince farmers that indeed something's really wrong with their animals. And of course, there should be an offer for them for incentives. 
otherwise yes sorry apologies last one minute thank you okay now i will go on to the uh, other slides especially on those things that what should be done um next slide please okay next slide please so these are the points that we think um, are helpful to consider in managing asf the government should invest in hasten the establishment of animal disease diagnostic networks in key animal producing provinces and cities not just at the regional centers and at the body next slide please and then, of course, very important here, there's a need to review the compensation policy at 5,000 per head. And they are actually limiting the payment to only 20 heads. That would be very controversial because if you have uh, an actual number of, say, 50 or 70, all those will not be considered to be paid. Next slide, please. Next slide, please. I have to run with the very limited time now. But anyway, um, here, there's important of communication. There's really a need to provide clear understanding of the virus because a lot of farmers could not yet really have a rational or calibrated uh, understanding of the virus. Next slide, please. Next slide, please. This is a technical. Uh, and then, of course, the need to upgrade our animal diagnostic labs to achieve early detection goals. Next slide, please. And this is also something very important. We need to conduct biosecurity training for farmers and live animal traders or the viajeros. This is important because uh, much as you do a lot of information, the first line of defense in ASF is really to train farmers right in their own farm about biosecurity. And uh, I think my time is up and uh, I anyway have presented my PowerPoint if uh, there will be additional questions to be raised. Um, Maybe we could uh, present to you the actual PowerPoint presentation. Thank you. Thank you for your attention. Thank you, sir, Fermin, for your very detailed presentation. And we would like to remind everyone that you may send in your questions via the question and answer box. And we will be reading the questions later after other presenters um, are done with their speeches. And uh, for the solutions and recommendations part, Sir Fermin, you will be having uh, an opportunity to discuss that as, as well during the panel session that sure, you will sure, be having sure. with Anton. Yeah. Okay. Sending for another 10 minutes to make way for the Q&A and the panel discussion. Okay. So moving on to our next speaker. Next slide, please. So Dr. Sorry, Mr. Danilo Venida is the General Manager of Infarmco Management Corporation, a one-stop shop total systems and solutions company serving the Filipino pig farmer and is the leading producer and supplier of competition-proven Philippine-bred Landry's Large White and F.I. Gilt Cakes. He is also an occasional columnist in the Philippine Daily Inquirer and a director of the Foodlink Advocacy Cooperative. Over to you, Dr. Mr. Danilo Benita. 
Thank you, Joyce. And good afternoon, everyone. Uh, we've had two very comprehensive uh, situational reports. One from uh, Dr. Samuel Castro, BAI, and of course, uh, uh, Fermin Diaz. So uh, I can summarize what I intended to, to present. Uh, this is a response maybe or suggestions from an industry player who has seen that uh, there are many farms who have been able to resist the infection from ASF. So uh, the industry will have to really recover from their operations. They are right now, they're able to prevent their operations being infected. We know that the infection, once it hits you, can wipe out the whole herd. But now, pig farming will have to be in the age of ASF until a vaccine is commercially available. This existential threat to pig farmers to be. So the Department of Agriculture and the Bureau of Industry must recognize that pig farms with effective biosecurity protocols must not be penalized by logistics disruptions. They should be allowed to recover their protocol, protocol security protocol costs. And then uh, by EA, local government units must coordinate with the pig farmers and the pig buyers, transport to pigs so that uh, the business can, can, move, can move on. Outbreaks are site-specific and verifiable. So if they are monitored at the barangay level, then there should be no problem identifying areas which are affected. Yeah, starting next week, uh, the ECQ restrictions will be eased, and uh, we expect the DCQ to be implemented. So movement of uh, people and goods and services hopefully <laughs> will uh, become better. Extreme live pigs and pork product supply shortages are expected in the second half. So uh, prices of these products are expected to, to increase, although we feel maybe not uh, in a surge because of the situation, the economic recession and depression. <laughs> so demand, uh, demand has, have also, has also been affected. But prices which are now at about 125 to 135 pesos per kilogram live weight, uh, will still be much higher than they were last year. And so some commercial pig farms hit by ASF, uh, we consider repopulating. And uh, if they do that in the next two quarters, maybe they will be back in the supply chain by the fourth quarter of next year or early 2022. At the same time, backyard farmers may want to come back. They are the worst hit by the ASF uh, infection. Uh, and But they will have to be regulated uh, very strictly at the barangay level to make sure swill feeding is not done and uh, um, 
they still maintain some uh, serious biosecurity protocols. But we, all, we, we know that backyard pig farms are vulnerable to ASF because of inadequacy in biosecurity protocols. So these farmers will be better off really just concentrating on grow out operations. And cooperatives can play a critical role in institutionalizing backyard pig farming in the light of uh, ASF. Anyway, uh, the, my, the suggestion is really to monitor, just like for COVID-19, monitor uh, ASF incidents at the barangay level. So DABAI, I, I believe, will have to mobilize at that level. With, in coordination with the uh, local governments. There are commercial pig farms now considering repopulating their, their farms after being hit by ASF. Uh, BAI and, uh, should be able to assess these locations to make sure that they are clean and safe to restart pig farming. I'm sure the farms considering this restarting will be very conscious about this uh, condition. Next slide, please. Thank you. Next, uh, yeah. So uh, an, at this point, an industry recover, recovery plan Maybe in order, of course, uh, Dr. Castro mentioned something about uh, the awareness of DABAI about the need for the industry to recover. But uh, precisely, maybe the task force for control may have to be reoriented and regeared so that it is the recovery of the industry they will have to do in coordination with all the major uh, the major players um there are already lessons learned by the pig farms who are able to prevent asf hitting their operations so maybe the lessons that they learn can be shared by by them and uh, for all the other industry players Critical would be to make sure that backyard uh, grow out pig farming will have to be reorganized and revisited and uh, and and uh, make sure make made sure that they will be having their own controls so that they avoid being hit by the virus. Next slide, please. Next next slide, please. The, the BAE has uh, had their color codes zones. I, many of us farms who have not been, who, were, who have been spared so, to date of ASF infection uh, may not have been hit by ASF, but we are being hit by the logistics disruption so uh, I think uh, that the balancing I mentioned earlier will have to be very uh, much given attention to. Uh, we have to hurdle this uh, paradox of uh, saving uh, the pigs from ASF, but killing the, the pigs through business closing. You know? 
so uh, maybe tracking uh, a lot a lot of uh, systems may have be may have to be introduced to be able to monitor the delivery the transport of pigs from farms to destinations so that whether the potential virus spread or not will be monitored next slide the last slide please yeah uh, we're all facing an unseen uh, enemy, uh, COVID-19 and ASF. So managing uh, the presence of, of this, uh, maybe being able to control them can only be effectively done if all uh, stakeholders will uh, work together. Uh, these were already mentioned in the previous uh, uh, hearing and uh, so we just cannot overemphasize this need for collaborative effort at this at sit on, during situations like this the, the market system can it be allowed to to freely operate uh, the infection can become more wild and yet we have to make the supply chain continue to serve consumers and producers uh, this is all, and uh, thank you for the time. Thank you very much, Danny, for your presentation and as well as for sharing your recommendations. Um, again, uh, for the participants, you may send in your questions for both Sir Danny and Sir Fermin via the Q&A box. Um, unfortunately, Dr. Castro of the Bureau of animal industry has an equally important meeting and have to step out of the webinar, but he has agreed to answer your question. So we will be sending a report with your questions and his answers as well. Next slide, please. Next slide, please. Joyce, the slides are on the panel discussion and Q&A yes. slide already. Yes. Uh, okay. So we now move on to the panel discussion in the Q&A section of the webinar. So for this, we have invited Mr. Anton Simon Palo, value chain development expert and the general manager of Foodlink Advocacy Cooperative. Over to you, Anton. And if we could request Sir Fermin and Sir Danny to open their webcams, please. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Joyce. Um, this is actually an information-packed uh, session, but I'll try to make my try to limit my questions just in case uh, we do have uh, questions from from the our audience uh, my first question actually is really more into the because uh, dr castro mentioned earlier that uh, one of the primary vectors for the asf was swill a uh, swill feeding uh, especially among our uh, backyard uh, I, I suppose hopefully none of the commercial farms are actually using swill um, however uh, and one of the stated reasons for using swill is that uh, it's uh, relatively lower cost as, as compared to the feeds. Uh, so if that is the case, um, maybe from your ex uh, from your experience and your views, uh, Sir Fermin, Sir Danny, what do you think uh, should be the way to be able to uh, lower the cost or at least make it more accessible for our backyard uh, producers so that they, they will no longer have to rely on swill too much. Uh, so perhaps we can start with Sir Fermin. Well, um, some countries 
have various strategies in regard to the swill. In some Southeast uh, European countries, actually, those with very little commercial farms, but most of them, most of them are in backyard. Swill feeding is not actually totally banned or uh, outlawed, even as a concept of ASF prevention. But the science behind there is, indeed, if you will not properly cook swill, these are the um, food, excess food that even in our countries, even in small barangays, this had been a, an old cultural practice actually. People, who, small small backyard families would gather what they call canning baboy in uh, households and of course carelessly they just mix that up and add some uh, they call it darak or uh, these are uh, milled milled rice yeah and that's about it the science behind there is there's indeed a risk to promote swill feeding in so far as ASF is concerned. But in outdoor, in remote areas, they still tolerate that. Now, how do we manage that problem? We have to tell farmers, even if they cannot uh, prevent the use of swill, they keep on doing it. The science behind there is you have to cook that at least 20 minutes, around 70 degrees Celsius and that's that would kill the virus that there's a science behind that so officially it's not tolerated but um again in remote backyard areas if that's still allowed then we have to explain them that cook them properly 20 minutes at the most up to 60 or 70 degrees centigrade all right. So uh, essentially what you're saying is that if we are not really able to strip away uh, from swill usage, we can actually pre-process the swill any, uh, and hopefully eliminate any kind of viruses and bacteria, uh, ASF included. All right. Uh, how about in your I case, Sir Danny? I think the challenge is to begin organizing or institutionalizing backyard pig farming. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it has been said a lot for so many years already, decades, that the industry is about 60, 65, even 70 percent backyard. Mm-hmm. Uh, for food security, uh, that should not be making us comfortable no? because backyard can go in and out very quickly, depending on the industry, the market situation. No? So uh, they have to be organized and maybe within the cooperative system, these backyard setups will can still be backyard, but already linked to some bigger organization which will handle the the breeding to the weaning stage, which is the sensitive, the delicate portion in the pig production process. Now, mm-hmm. so uh, hopefully they can achieve efficiencies, and so the cost becomes a secondary. Uh, element. I think this is the challenge to, to the industry. You know? And then so automatically swill, swill might go down. Yeah. Okay. So in your case, sir, uh, you're, you're suggesting that by aggregating all the smallholder in our backyard uh, farmers, 
uh, we will be able to gain yung the benefits of, let's say, economies of scale, uh, the cheaper prices for feeds in this case, hopefully, um, because there's yeah. a larger volume of order from the feed millers. Uh, and allow- effectively, yeah. All right. All- so, allowing allowing the backyard to use technology <laughs> to begin yeah, yeah. Uh, putting in technology in the system. So, all right. So, in, um, and I suppose there are other things that we can throw in there, uh, like professional management uh, through the cooperatives, if they're aggregated through cooperatives and et cetera. All right. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I would like to move to my second question. Uh, and this is essentially the, the prediction seems to be very bleak. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. So uh, if we're looking at, uh, Sir Fermin mentioned anywhere from six, six to 12 months to begin the recovery phase, but in your case, Sir Danny, you mentioned that it's probably going to restart. I think it's one of in one of your uh, slides that came up. Uh, it's going to start around the fourth quarter of 2021. That's a, a year, uh, more than a year gap between right now and during that period. Uh, what the, uh, in your view, how do we now address the gap in terms of volume that we're going to be able to produce? Uh, between now and then, uh, without necessarily sacrificing the swine industry? I know it's a kind of a difficult <laughs> well, question, well, but hopefully you'll be able to address it. Fortunately, uh, well, uh, in, in a different sense, uh, the COVID-19 effect on the market mm-hmm. is to dampen demand. So uh, what I mentioned of uh, about the fourth quarter of 2021 would be commercial pig farms who were hit and wiped out by ASF last year. If they begin repopulating the next quarter, the next quarter, they it takes uh, about 15 months to 18 months to produce a market hand. <laughs> so uh, there is, there is that lag from uh, starting to produce and then uh, having the, the market hack available. So hopefully the demand supply gap won't be too big uh, to let the price spike too high. You know? Because importation right now is also not uh, an option that may become available because prices of pork uh, globally are also high because of what happened in China. Mm. So um, essentially, the this is to remind everyone that ASF is not just here in the Philippines, but globally. Uh, and one of the biggest producers of um, of pork meat is essentially uh, China, who was uh, hit by, by this very badly. Uh, in, in, how about you, for, uh, Sir Fermin? What, what are your thoughts about that? Uh, just to clarify, uh, in my presentation, what I'm saying is uh, if you want, if whether you're a small or a commercial farm, if you have plans to recover or restock, for instance, between now and, and the end of the year, the six to three to six months, that would be wishful thinking. In other words, there would still be a lot of virus infections along the way. And chances are, even if your nearby farm, your neighboring farm is until now remain, ASF free, you will never know. So there is still very, still there. So what I'm saying is restocking as an option for even for the rest of this year would be very risky. And if you are the 
investor putting in millions again, that would indeed be a risky decision on your part. So going with the flow of uh, uh, Danny's presentation here, indeed, they're looking at maybe next year, maybe next year. And right. yeah, as a, also, as you, as you see, the current situation now is even pork demand has been uh, depressed because people have no money. The purchasing power of people now are really down. So much as we are having problems with the production side because of ASF, the demand side is not also moving. So we see some kind of a balancing act because of COVID lockdown. All right. All right. Okay. So to a certain extent, um, <laughs> uh, in, in a way, one, we're seeing a, a bit of, uh, I, I wouldn't want to call it an opportunity, but uh, it's it's really just a dampening effect of COVID-19. Uh, but also the, 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 the reality that we need to, to really wait this out a, a bit more uh, along the way. Okay. Now, um, my third question is actually... Uh, and going through this this context wherein uh well one we don't have uh dr carlo uh dr uh samuel, samuel. uh here right now to answer our questions on the be on behalf of uh, bai uh, i did see a lot of recommendations from the two of your uh, from your presentations that um recommendations for bai uh and uh with the uh have trying to put it in the context of COVID-19, wherein uh, government is experiencing a lot of pressure left and right. LGUs are also uh, going through a lot of pressures with their SAP distribution and whatever, whatever else. Um, it seems like we're going to have to rely very much on a private sector push for ASF uh, recovery and uh, intervention. What are your thoughts about that? Uh, perhaps we can start with, uh, on the one hand, I'm thinking in terms of what 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 should private sector uh, do about biosecurity uh, minus, let's say, any kind of uh, support or uh, hopefully, but uh, just in case there are no uh, support uh, from the government at the moment. Uh, and uh, how do we now deal with the dynamics? Uh, I, from your presentations, there seems to be a um, some kind of conflict within the uh, pork meat industry uh, in general, from the producers to the, to the processors. Uh, what are your potential messages for that? So uh, may I ask Sir Danny uh, for your thoughts first? Yeah, well, uh, biosecurity uh, for all farms, as we mentioned, is imperative. Those farms who in, in Luzon particularly, who have not been, which have not been affected by ASF, we can be sure has very strict biosecurity measures. And uh, in fact, these have been enhanced by the need for greater biosecurity because of COVID-19. Uh, we know of farms having their workers locked down within the farm over the, e over the ECQ period. No? So that I think has helped in controlling ASF as well. So the, the private sector will have to have their own very strict biosecurity protocols. Now, I think uh, it is their responsibility 
within the farm, inside the farm protocols, and then around the farm. But they will have to coordinate with the barangays to make sure that you know their efforts will not go to naught if there are a lot of uh, irresponsible operations around. So as far as control and prevention is concerned, it is to the interest of the of the farmers of the of the companies. So I don't see that that, that will be an issue. Okay. It is in the easing of disruptions in logistics where these farms must begin to be uh, must be given the the benefit for their investment in biosecurity. Mm. They should be allowed to be able to move their their pigs to wherever destinations these pigs are supposed to go, so that their business will not be upset. So no no pig farm now is earning money. You know? uh, commercial pig farms have lost a lot of money over the last ten months. Mm. So uh, now is the time to organize to get those who are still operating who are with pigs allow them to be able to move their pigs and that's right. the, the, the benefit all right um how about sir fermin what are your thoughts about that my my thought on that is um in so far as uh, backyard small hog raisers are concerned they are quite aware <clears throat> of the threats of uh, asf and they are also aware that uh, if you will not practice biosecurity, indeed, there would be trouble in your farm. But there's a need, I think, for government to equip them and to, to really stick in their mind the value of biosecurity. Now, simple things like provision of uh, PPEs like we do to our frontliners in the health sector. The frontliners here are the small hog raisers. They are directly in contact with their farms, with their pigs. Now, sad to say, even at the local provincial level, these small farmers are not really given simple tools or even equipment or even uh, footwear. They don't know concepts about foot bath and everything. So what I'm saying now is, with all these things about uh, um, COVID-19, the way the DOH, the government, are putting too much emphasis on protocols and everything, if we could do that in humans, that mindset should also be translated to the small barangay or small hug, hug racers. They have to be educated, they have to be equipped as well, for them to really have a fighting chance to really be able to practice biosecurity. And with that, um, there's another thing there. <clears throat> we have problems with how do you confirm is indeed the virus is ASF or not? You need, you need a lot of contact tracing. You need a lot of confirmatory tests. We have shortage before COVID. We have shortage of PCR laboratories and everything. Now, the whole government are investing on, on this uh, diagnostic labs. I'm not sure if we are able to ease now our restrictions on all these PCRs, these testings, the same laboratory equipment could probably 
even just a portion of that could be used also to submit specimens on ASF virus so that the chances of early reporting, early detection would be there. And somehow the government could uh, draw up uh, preventive measures to really maintain or control the spread of ASF. So that's my take. I don't know, the COVID thing could have, is bringing some positive development in the control of ASF. All right, yeah. um, mainly, mainly because it's also suspending activities in general. <laughs> well, the business side is really down. Yeah, the business side is really down. If I may add, there are areas, these are ASF-free areas. For instance, Mindanao, Jensan, you talk of South Cotabato. They have surplus production there. In fact, pork is so cheap. But here in Metro Manila, where the demand is still strong, they have problems with logistical disruptions. They have problems with shipping, cold storage. So they could not bring even a bulk of uh, their produce to Manila and sell it uh, at affordable prices here. Again, because of the logistical problem, because of this lockdown and everything. Yeah. All right. So, uh, so I'm, I'm going to be getting some questions from the audience. Uh, and this is probably in, in connection to your um, last few statements, Sir Fermin, about the boosting up the ASF diagnostic laboratories. Uh, the, the question here is, what aspects are critical in strengthening ASF diagnostic laboratories? Uh, is it mainly to focus on RT-PCR facilities? My, my take there is that uh, the diagnostic labs should be strengthened. You have to develop a network or infrastructure of diagnostic labs. What we have now is most regional centers have their own. These are owned by and operated by BAE or DA. But there's a need to strengthen or accredit even private laboratories with PCR capabilities. Because the more samples are being brought there and faster delivery of results, then the early detection, early prevention aspect of ASF can really be addressed. So this is really a problem. If you, you, you just expect uh, some uh, opinions or some um, observations, but without scientific basis to prove that indeed this, 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 this thing on problem with swine is ASF or not. You need confirmatory tests. And then that, that, that could justify why you need to call. Because the calling itself is already the end result of some kind of, that, that's the last, last end of your solution. You have to call now because indeed it's positive. And then you have to spend 5,000 per head. Spend for nothing. You did not solve the problem. You may be able to compensate all those farmers, but you did not solve the problem. You were not able to prevent it. So that's my, my position. There's very critical aspect here of early detection, early prevention. All right, and uh, I suppose that is very much in connection also with the priorities of uh, our very own Secretary William Dar uh, to conduct everything in, in very science-based, uh, evidence-based uh, approaches. Uh, now, uh, as a final question, and I suppose uh, you have already answered this somehow, but per perhaps for reiteration and re-emphasis, uh, and this is actually going to be more 
you addressing it to the government. What do you think should the government do to restart the livelihood of the, uh, of the hog farmers as a result of ASF and COVID-19? Uh, Sir Danny? Yeah, the, the government's hand is uh, loaded right now uh, with the COVID-19 situation. Yeah, yeah. We don't know yet, is it economic repre uh, recession or depression we're, we're in? And the quantification still uh, hasn't been looked at, no? So the, the swine industry and the backyard farmers is just, we, we just started to lose uh, life, livelihood uh, earlier because of the ASF effect. And the uh, other sectors followed uh, with COVID-19, no? So uh, I think the many of the solutions we discussed earlier about organizing uh, far, big farmers, uh, maybe with, with cooperatives and then uh, with commercial farms and the, the feed millers, you know, this is a time for all uh, industry players to really work out working together now because we have a depressed market, we have uh, an existential threat. So this cannot be done just by by one sector. It has to be a coordinated, collaborative effort. All right, and I hope that uh, perhaps Croatia will be able to help uh, the swine industry on that, sir. All right, uh, how about you, sir Vermin? Well, um, um, what... my my take on that is that ASF, the basic way to manage ASF is prevention. So in this case, biosecurity is still the prime way to do it. At you, What's really going on in the farm? You have to empower the farmers, give them the tools, the knowledge, the skills, how to do it. It's not just instructing them through lectures, through seminars. It needs some intensive training on them about the value of biosecurity. And of course, they have to invest also in providing some uh, PPEs like we do to our health workers in dealing with frontliners. Because without those uh, equipment as well, they're vulnerable. They could be themselves farmers transmitting the ASF from one farm to others. Or even, of course, the viajeros. There's a role here of the viajeros. It's not just the farm. The viajeros, if they are careless, they have to be educated as well. They have to be uh, uh, informed as well about the risk. And then that requires also training. But that's the other side. From the consumer side, I think we have to be very clear that ASF is not indeed a public health issue. Even if you will eat by mistake pork tainted with ASF, it doesn't do anything to your body. It will not create any discomfort or any allergy on your part. But there's still that stigma of eating pork, especially in the wake of ASF. Uy, baka masama or something. But we have to educate consumers as well because without them, they could not, their demand, their appetite for pork may not be stimulated at all. So they keep on having those anxiety of, to eat or not to eat pork. So there's a lot of education, but of course there's a lot of, uh, from the technical side, you have to improve the diagnostic capability, 
and then of course informing all the stakeholders about the the actual the factual science based information on on the disease yeah and and maybe to emphasize on the last uh, statement of yours oh, well the for uh, with regards to the consumers um, not to suggest that uh, we should all eat ASF uh, infected uh, meat, but the idea that uh, we shouldn't eliminate the pork consumption in total uh, just because uh, there is that possibility. Uh, and hopefully everyone's doing their jobs anyway from, from the producers all the way to the, to the markets. Uh, yeah. So in, in, in a sense, we're looking at a lot of hand-holding. This is not just about um, you know providing materials or learn the learn the new protocols and et cetera. Um, but actually uh, a process of hand-holding the backer growers, the, uh, the pig, the, and all the other stakeholders uh, to follow protocol, uh, the protocol which is appropriate for ASF. Um, and I, I suppose, again, one of the opportunities provided by COVID-19 is that one, because now it's relevant to us, uh, we, 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 we become we we start to understand biosecurity in a very personal way, uh, and it's the same same kind of protocols that are necessary yeah. for ASF. But at the same time, because there is uh, COVID nineteen, the the usage of PPEs and all this are actually going to be in place, and looks like it um, it's going to provide that benefit. <laughs> uh, all right. So um, I, I thank you for your time, uh, and I thank you the I thank the audience for their time as well. Um, we've actually extended by a lot. Um, I suppose I'm gonna have to turn it over to back to Joyce. Thank you. Thank Thank you, Anton. Thank you, Sir Fermin, Sir Danny, for that very very rich discussion on ASF. Again, we would like to thank our speakers, Sir Fermin, Sir Danny, for your valuable insights and sharing. So these information shared by you both are very helpful to us and to the participants as we face ASF in the country. Should you need to reach out to our speakers, we will be flashing their contact details in a bit. And before we close, we would like to share that we will be having the fourth installment of the biosecurity threats in agriculture webinar series in June 4 next week, Thursday, same time, 2 p.m. on Avian Food. And we would also like to thank our participants for your questions and your participation. And we hope that you were able to get something of value from today's session. Thank you for staying also as the session extended. And again, should you have additional questions, clarifications, would like to reach our speakers and us, the BPSA, our contact details are flashed on the screen right now. And thank you very much. Hope to see you in our next webinar and keep safe, everyone. Thank you.